Welcome to this podcast series where I talk to the artists behind the music I play on my radio shows. I host two radio shows a month on UKCountryRadio.com. One is a country legends, a documentary style show, and the other is the Boudoir Bluegrass Show. Join me while I chat to and get to know the musicians and artists behind the music I play. Listen to their stories and their musical journeys and share some laughter and fun as you get to know the artists behind the music. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. I have in the studio with me Wood, Wire and Words. They are a family affair. Their musical influences are quite diverse from Cajun to rock, folk to blues, but their common thread is, of course, bluegrass. So I'm going to start by introducing or saying hello to David, David Roselle. He's here in the studio right now. Hi, David. Hi, Lynn. And how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Next, we have his lovely wife, Claire. Hi, Claire. How are you? Hi, Lynn. Right. And then we've got the lovely dad, Pat. Pat Francis. Hi, Pat. Hi. Nice to see you again. Oh, it's great to see you again, too. It's been so long. Now, according to Claire and David... He makes great tea and he's always there to sweep up. Is that right? Is that right, Pat? That's absolutely right, yeah. Mostly in sweeping up. And it's so lovely to see you again after all these years. Now, my first question is, when did you get together as a band? You know, um, how did it come together? What made you decide? Did you decide, oh, we're going to play? Or did it just happen? How did it happen? Claire started singing the second she was born. And continued to sing for two years. <laughs> Just what you wanted to hear, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Nothing like a, we started like a as a group. You. As a group, we started in two thousand and four, I think. After dinner, we had had dinner and then jammed, and it came out of that. Pat cooks dinner, and then we had a rehearsal and. <laughs> What more do you need? Well, it was just an informal jam thing at first, wasn't it? Just yeah. have a laugh and you know play, and then it sort of became something as a band thing. So. After the... Uh, yeah, it was, it was thanks to Pat's cooking, you see. <laughs> what a fabulous way to get together. And the world is a better place for it as well, because I absolutely love your music. As you know, I play it quite a lot. Now, a lot of your stuff is originals. David, is that down to you? Yes. yes yeah, I write all the stuff for us. Um, all three albums... I wrote all bar one song on on all three albums. What I find particularly fascinating are the backstories to the songs. Do you have any particular favourites or have you got any stories you could tell me behind a couple of the songs that you've written? It's really difficult for me to pick songs that I really like. It's usually the the latest song that I've written. The very last song that I wrote is usually at the time my favourite song that I've ever written. I think almost all the songs that I've written have a story behind them. That's what I love about songwriting. It's about uh, telling a story, whether it's a true story or whether it's a, a made-up story. It's it's still a story. It's still storytelling. So I think all all my songs have stories behind them. I suppose the ones I love the most, I think, first of all, Riding the Rails, title track from first album, which came from getting Pat to play um, Sally Ann on the Dobro. And it sounded fantastic, and we needed a, a song to follow it. So I wrote uh, Riding the Rails to fit, so it was in the right key, so it would come out of the intro of Sally Ann straight into the song. And I love, I love doing that, because Pat's over on that is fantastic. And I think songs like Nothing Changes and The Words You Can't Find were the most cathartic songs for me to write, 
because they're about loss and they're about living with chronic pain and memory loss, which is something I've had to deal with for over 20 years. So writing those songs was a lot of... It wasn't a lot of fun. It was very cathartic and quite emotional to do, but the feedback that I've received from other people in similar situations of how it's helped them or explained the way they feel as well has been amazing. Yeah, well, that's just the thing about music, isn't it? I mean, whether you're being performed to, whether you're performing, music is so good for the soul. It, my other podcast is called The Power of Music and Voice, and, and exactly what you've just said, you know, you writing the song, so actually you're writing what's in your head out onto paper, which is therapy in itself. Other people who are listening to your songs are getting the vibes, are getting the music, they're being uplifted. It's just just great for everybody, as I say, whether you're a receiver or, or the giver, music is just such a power. It really, really is. Yeah, yeah. But then there's the fun stuff as well. I wrote, I, uh, Truth and Democracy, my very political song, which uh, the best moment of that was um, was receiving a message after we sang it at Shrewsbury Folk Festival some years ago from, I won't name the person, he was a, a fairly high up in the NHS at the time to say thank you to me for writing and performing that song that he was had happened to be at Shrewsbury Folk Festival and that was just one of the most amazing things ever uh, and there's no food in my bowl I think is possibly the fun song to play one of the most popular isn't it because the audience participation because they always sing bowl <laughs> it's, it's the only word that sticks <laughs> when we first sang it to an audience it was at Shrewsbury Folk Festival to a massive great marquee full of people. And the moment we started in the chorus and started singing Bowl, they just picked up on it. And then every time we sang Bowl, they sang along Raising the Roof. It was the most amazing experience. And it's kind of stuck. Yeah. We have audiences all the time doing it now. So I think that's, they're probably my favourite ones. Well, I enjoy listening to them, and I know my listeners do too. So you've got three albums, haven't you? You've got Riding the Rails, 2008, It's a Barbecue Day, 2015, and your current album, The Boy with the Smile. I love them. They're Thank good. you, yes. So now, Pat, over to you. How long have you been playing the mandolin and the dobro? I love the, the sound of both of them, and but I'm particularly fascinated with the dobro. So tell me, tell me all. The mandolin came first. Uh, I've been playing that since I was about uh, 15. I started a group when I was in uh, sixth form at school. And uh, one of the first instruments I played in the group was the mandolin. Um, so I bought one and uh, started playing then. The dobro came much later. I fell in love with it when I was about 11, but I'd only heard it. I heard uh, Flatten Scruggs or Josh Graves playing it on one of their numbers when I was doing my homework on Saturday morning. And I fell in love with the sound, but didn't have the faintest idea what the instrument was, uh, having never seen it. Anyway, it, I found out eventually what it was and a little bit about it. And I found one when I was on a lunchtime stroll in Denmark Street. I worked in the West End in London. And I was walking down Denmark Street and I came to a shop called Show Buds, and they had a wall full of dobros. And I think my nose was welded to the front window for the whole of my hour lunch break. And it was so traumatic, I went home and nagged Steph 
to death all night in bed. And the following day, she gave in, and uh, I went out and bought one. And that was it. That was in 1980, and that was the first Dobro I had. It was completely the wrong sort, but it was a Dobro, and I started playing it. And then I bought a cheap Japanese one, and from then moved on. And now I've got two stunning instruments. Uh, one was made specially for me, and one I bought from one of the best manufacturers in the world. Um, I still love it to bits. It's just the sound. It just really eats into your soul. It's such a, such a really deep sound. I can understand. I, although I don't play the dobro, I really appreciate the sound. I love it. And I know exactly what you're saying when you say it gets deep into the soul. It really is wonderful. Okay, now, Claire, Hi. how long have you been playing the double bass? Well, really, it was um, when, when we first started just, you know, jamming and just trying to do stuff. All I had was, and still have got somewhere, um, just an electric bass guitar. And... I mean, I'd grown up around bluegrass, as Dad said, I've been you know, dragged to festivals forever and then went to them winningly. <laughs> um, but So I've grown up around that, that scene. Of course, everyone had double basses, didn't they? And it's just, it just the whole electric bass thing, although it sounded all right, it wasn't suitable for what we were doing. So I think it was actually 2004 that we ended up getting the double bass. And I just sort of picked it up and did it, really, because I've, I've been around double basses forever so it didn't seem like such a big transition so it just it just felt much better so yeah 2004 ish about that sort of time of course playing and singing uh the double bass is not the easiest thing to do is it because it's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach you know (laughs) you're doing two different things you're playing the rhythm with one hand and then trying to sing the melody with the with the voice a little complicated well take some practice Uh, yeah i do feel lucky that 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 just comes it's quite Lucky, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm an ex-bass player, and I don't think I could play bass like Claire does and sing at the same time. You manage. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do yeah, as well. You, so, you manage so. pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I did, but I didn't have to get some rude comments because I was concentrating so hard on the... I was quite new to it at the time, singing and playing, and I was concentrating so hard that apparently my left hand... Uh, was doing all kinds of things. It was right, going up and down the neck in a very suggestive <laughs> fashion. And I really didn't need to do that, but uh, that's the way it came out. And then I was singing. So I had no idea what my left hand was doing, to be honest. <laughs> I thought I was just in the one place, but it was going up and down the shaft. <laughs> so I don't know what I was doing. I, I must admit, I do love to hug him as I play him. And, and he's got a name. He's called Big Boy. Do you name yours? I've never actually named it, actually. No. Oddly enough. No, I've never actually It's got it. a hat. Yeah, it's got a hat. It used to be Dad's yeah. <laughs> until it shrunk in the wash. It's got a little woolly hat for when it's cold outside. <laughs> it used to belong to Pat. And it went through the washing machine and shrunk <laughs> such a small size and it doesn't fit him anymore. <laughs> it just fits on the headstock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Now, David, on to you. Your guitar and mandolin. How long have you been playing the instruments and how did you get into it? I started... Uh, playing guitar when I was, I don't know, about 11 or 12, because I wanted to sing, but I had no one to uh, sing in a band with at the time. So I saved up and bought a cheap little thing from Argus at the time, which I can't remember how much it cost, but I saved all my pocket money up for it and started on that. And I didn't start mandolin until, oh, a few years after we started as a band, just so I could add some chops and stuff while play guitar. I'm still very much learning the mandolin. 
all this time later. But it is a smashing instrument, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. Uh, and I, I, Before I came across bluegrass, thanks to Claire, I was more into everything from heavy metal to folk music to, to blues and everything. And uh, with the bluegrass music, that, that offbeat, that chop, that, that cuts through, I, I love the sound of that. Wonderful. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. It's a, it's a beautiful percussive sound. I love the instrument. It's lovely. Moving on now, sadly, last year, Did Martin Festival was cancelled. And again, this year. And I know you two are very heavily involved in it. But there are festivals going on, even if they're just for a day. So do you think you guys will be able to get out anywhere or do you think you want to get out anywhere to play? It's really hard to tell. It's really hard to say. Um, Claire and I are on the committee uh, for Did Martin. And it was just... It was it was just that there was so much risk involved, too many risks, and so many uncertainties. And when you start as a festival having to pay out money that you know that if something goes wrong you're not going to get back, you, you just can't afford to to do that. No, so, we have to weigh so, up the risks and what we'd have to lay. Which out is why Did Martin and, had to get cancelled again this year. You know. But next year we'll be back with bigger and better and hopefully a a wonderful festival next year. But for oh. us as a band. It's really difficult really to know what's going to happen. Oh, it's just so sad. It's been such a strange year or so. And I love, I love bluegrass. Obviously, if I didn't love bluegrass, I wouldn't be doing my bluegrass radio show and I wouldn't be, you know, having to these wonderful chats with all the bands that I play, like yourselves. So I really cannot wait until we can get back onto the bluegrass scene again. You know, I just, fingers crossed, it's as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah, it's difficult times for all musicians at the moment. It's yeah. people just trying to keep. Well, Claire and I are keeping our hand in by doing um, a Fockgrass lockdown session every How Friday night. How did that start? Well, we started when most people were stuck in lockdown. Right, um, getting really. May the twenty fourth last year, and we did a we did one from the back garden, and everyone said, "Oh, oh you can do another one." Well, all right, we'll do one next week. So we do one next week, and more people turned up, and we got asked to do another one. So we did, and they said, oh, well, you, you must go public with this, because it was just on just, Facebook just to friends. friends really. So we set up the page, uh, which is Fograss Lockdown Sessions, and um, and that's it, it spiralled from there. So every Friday night, for almost a year now, we have spent an hour and a half to two hours singing, singing. songs, waffling on at me. Claire doesn't waffle on, well, she sort yeah, of chats to people, I, I waffle on. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we do a beer review every week, um, and uh, and we try and keep up with it. it it's the social element, yeah, it's more as the social well as thing on Facebook, really. not just the the songs and the music. People request us. I mean, we've we've sung songs that we'd never have done in a million years no. if people hadn't asked us to. I mean, we've done everything from from bluegrass standards through to a Saxon and Iron Maiden. We get asked um, really strange things. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun. So yeah, we're we're two weeks away from our year anniversary of doing it. I mean, lots of people have made connections. They turn up in the chat room, and they chat on the chat thread on Facebook, and they've made friends, and they made friends via Facebook, and they're planning on meeting up at a gig when they all open up again. Which I think is the most amazing thing ever. You see, there goes the power of music and voice doing its thing again for mental health, for physical well-being, just in general well-being. And, of course, you're bringing people together. That is just so good. As you say, it's wonderful. 
Yeah, it's what music is about. Absolutely. And I've enjoyed what sessions I have been able to get to watch. Obviously, I haven't been able to see a lot of them because on Friday afternoon, I'm usually travelling back from somewhere or I've got to be recording or I'm doing something. But I can catch up because they're all on Facebook, aren't they? You could, actually. Yeah, they're, they're all there. Yeah, they're yeah, all on they're all... all on the Facebook page. But, Pat, of course, it's a shame you can't join in with them, isn't it? Yeah, well, uh, the, the upside is that I I can practice my specialities with the broom <laughs> and the kettle making tea. So. <laughs> I'd watch a Facebook of that, Pat. I'd, I'd sit there on, a, on one evening and watch you sweep up. <laughs> no, I do, I do play, but obviously on my own. When I play guitar, uh, dobro and mandolin, I do it to accompany. I, I, I haven't got any party pieces. There are no solo pieces I have, I've ever played on either of those instruments. So I play them to accompany someone. And I love doing that. That's, that's heaven for me, is, is accompanying someone else. Um, so when I'm on my own here, I play guitar mainly. And, and broom, obviously. <laughs> well, you know... Guys, it's been absolutely wonderful to chat to you today. Thank you so much for coming along and giving me your time. Thank it's been wonderful to chat to you too. To yeah, it's been nice to see you again. It's been lovely to see you too. Hopefully it won't be too long before we can see each other again. Thank you. It's thank been thank a pleasure. You, us too. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you for inviting us on. My absolute pleasure. You have been listening to a Lynn Nash Music and Voice production for the Bands in the Boudoir podcast. I do hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope you will come back to listen to further episodes in the future. Thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs>